Today we are here with Anne. Anne is going to be sharing with us um, a story about her daughter, Genevieve, you know, how she came to be in the breast cancer community and um, the role that she is playing right now. So Anne, welcome. Thank you. And Mary Alice is here as well today. Hello, good morning. And I'm so happy you're here to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so can you just start by telling us um, just a little bit about Genevieve, you know, her experience in the military, and then how she came to be a part of the breast cancer community? Certainly. When Genevieve decided to go to college, she decided to go ROTC. So she uh, was, from the very beginning, she was sworn in right into college. Uh, She went through the ROTC program. And as a second lieutenant, she was sent to Germany. She was part of human resources. Uh, She was a human resources officer. Yes, she was. And this was in Lutberg, uh, right right outside of Wiesbaden. She did a really great job. You know, she had a lot of responsibility. But eventually, after her unit deployed, several months later, she then deployed, and she was stationed in Iraq. As many of you military know, uh, the way the U.S. Army gets rid of garbage is they burn it in that awful pile, they call it. So as a result, she was on the heavy metals list. And that may have been one of the contributing factors to her developing cancer, but it may not. After that's while she was in Wiesbaden, she met her husband. He was uh, cavalry. Eventually, they did get engaged, and he was also in Iraq. So uh, they saw each other off and on while they were there. She talked about some very exciting helicopter rides to get there to see him. And when they came back from Germany, they married, and then they were stationed over in Germany again. So her total uh, military service was seven and a half years. So when her husband's name is Phil, he was done. They were bringing him uh, back to Bragg. Uh, He was going to take over at the 82nd Airborne. And at that point, she was pregnant with her first child. And they decided that she would leave the military, that it would be just too difficult to have a two-officer career. So at that point, she was a captain, and she did retire. Uh, Their focus was on his career because he wanted to go as high as he could go, which I'm sure everybody can uh, understand. So they lived in Pinehurst. After they left, uh, they were in Kansas for two years, where Ava was born, because he was at SAMS, and he was also at the officer course there. So they did two years in Kansas. They came back to Pinehurst, and that's where she found out she was pregnant with her second daughter, Elise. Everything was great. Unfortunately, she developed a uh, blood clotting, a genetic blood clotting problem, which unfortunately went undiagnosed. Um, You know, she had to wear these high stockings right up to her thighs in the middle of summer. And then she had to graduate to like pantyhose that just to keep all these varicose veins. And in truth, what was happening is the blood was clotting and pooling in her veins. So that was an issue after she gave birth to Elise. uh, She did develop blood clots while she was uh, in the hospital. So she had this uh, this issue going on. And about a month later, she mentioned to me that she felt a lump in her breast. And I said, gee, you know, you better get yourself to the doctor. So at the time they had healthcare and she uh, had to go to the PA first. The PA examined it and said to her the typical, oh, it must be a clogged milk duct. So as most women hear a lot, especially if they're nursing, this is the first thing a doctor says to you. So she accepted that for a while, and uh, it didn't go away. I convinced her to go back again a couple months later, and unfortunately, the PA sent her only for a sonogram, which revealed nothing uh, because she was nursing. After we gathered all her medical records, it did say that they recommended that she get further testing, some sonogram. 
unfortunately, the PA did not inform her of that. Uh, she went on and on for uh, months and months. Her husband was deployed. He was uh, deployed a total of 15 months. He did back-to-back -back Iraq and Afghanistan so that when he came back to Brig, he, he wouldn't have to deploy for a number of years. Because, you know, they had their family and they wanted some downtime. It, it, just, it stayed with her for months. It didn't affect her nursing, but the lump was definitely there. And we come from a part of New York on Long Island where the breast cancer rate is the second highest in the country. So I was screaming to her, you've got to get a mammogram, you've got to get a mammogram. And she'd say, but mom, I've got these two kids and they have this and they have that. And it's so hard to schedule this, you know, with the PA, I have to convince the PA I have it. So her husband came home, Elise was 11 months old. She let the condition go. I, I I don't know why. She was obviously not feeling well. But with everything that was going on when Phil came home, we arranged in the family. Um, you know, she constantly put herself second. And what I would say to every woman is you cannot put yourself second. You, you have to push through and say, okay, for a little while now, I have to be number one. And she, being a good army wife that she was, she didn't. And uh, finally, it reached a point uh, where she had to go. And she was unfortunately already stage four. Uh, by that time. She chose not to go um, on post. Uh, they actually recommended Duke to her. And by then they had changed their um, insurance type. So she was able to go to Duke and that's where she began, uh, began her treatment. She did consult with the doctors of uh, at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And uh, they, re they recommended an entirely different course of treatment than Duke. But family pressure and travel pressure, he, she decided to stay at Duke and go with a more laid back course of treatment. Unfortunately, it, it, that laid-back approach um, didn't exactly work for her. And uh, once again, uh, she did not push through the medical establishment at the time. I know that Duke has improved, and her particular doctor is no longer there, which is a good thing. Cancer did really progress. At one point, uh, she was actually exculpation abandonment, where the doctor there abandoned her, uh, refused to see her, and did not inform her that she had been so-called abandoned. Uh, we had a big conference with the nurse navigator, and that's when she transferred up to Sloan Kettering in New York. And we had friends that were donating air miles to her and to me, and uh, it was really, it was really great. One of the things that she did that uh, was great is she signed up with lots of helping hands. It's a website that allows her to post a blog to let people know what was going on instead of endless phone calls going over it. Also, she was able to put up a calendar and say, hey, I need some help. I need somebody to babysit, somebody to watch Elise, somebody to take Ava to school. And her friends were just able to see what she needed and to sign up independently. And also sometimes she would say, hey, can anybody bring me along? So she had a lot of support. The other very good website like that is called uh, Caring Bridge. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much, you, you're familiar with that. That I recommend highly for anybody who's ill, anybody who has any kind of a problem, because it allows friends to do this kind of anonymously without, you know, a lot of talk. So she did accept a lot of help from her friends. And um, Elise got very close. There were three moms in particular. Elise at that point was two and would take her all the time. So she wasn't being tossed around, uh, that type of thing. Fortunately, at work, I was able to uh, get, we had, we had paid time off. We had changed from a system. And I was able to earn three days a month. So I would go down on a, a Friday night. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I would leave Wednesday night. So I did that every week that she had to go into Duke 
at first, she really only had infusions for the bone. That's what they were concerned about. And then also stopping her period, her menstrual cycle. So that's really what she did. Duke, I don't know, uh, had new girls, but her doctor sent her for a PET scan every month. I think uh, because she was stage four and they were following her so closely. But that would be a 10-hour day, and she was exhausted. So I was very glad that I had the ability to fly down there and be with her. At that time, Phil was very busy with, uh, you know, transferring in, getting to taking over at the 82nd. So I was, you know, he was not able to give a lot of help. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, it was frustrating for him, I'm sure. They couldn't do more. Uh, but he was he was kind of torn. So I think we were covering her uh, pretty well, you know, in the beginning. Uh, when she started coming up to Sloan Kettering, you know, I would fly down, fly up with her. She would stay over at our house. We're only 30 miles from Sloan, so that worked out. And um, that's pretty much how, how the course it went. As far as reaching out, I the first group I reached out to was the American Cancer Society. I felt that they were tremendous. They sent me a seven-page document on breast cancer and breast cancer research. As a result, we give back to the to them uh, by doing the walk, you know, how they have these yearly walks. Mm-hmm. So Genevieve's Helping Hand always gets a crowd. We always de- donate money to the American Cancer Society by giving back that way. Uh, they recommended us to some support groups. But unfortunately, especially at the time, it was uh, Genevieve joined one uh, that was on the phone. It was really older women. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing for younger women really at the time. You know, she got on the computer, she researched everything. Uh, there really wasn't a lot. So that's why we're, our focus is on young mothers uh, with breast cancer. We still hear that we're unique uh, because of what we do, uh, that we give an extension of recovery periods you know, and for stage four moms, it's a respite. You get the up to three days and three nights at some place where you want to go. That that came out of the fact that when Genevieve had her mastectomy, she only had one night in the hospital and she knew, you know, the babies were two and five and they'd want to come in and she needed an she needed some extra time even though I was there. And the doctor said, No, but can you afford to stay at a hotel? He said, you, you'll be fine. So she found the Clara McLean House, which is right in Pinehurst. She was the very first person to stay there. So we developed a very special relationship with them. It, it was from her experience of staying there, uh, The three she stayed there three nights and two full days, and then one half a day. And I was able to bring the girls up to her for lunch. We, we sat in the garden up there, and we had lunch. So it was from that experience and the fact that she said it, it's what made the difference in her healing that she had a chance to start healing from the surgery and not get back into the rat race of being with the kids. And even I was there doing the cooking and the cleaning, you know, you still, you're on when mm-hmm. you're on. You know, it's, there's no off switch. You have to be on. Mm-hmm. So that three days and three nights, she uh, really said helped her. So we based our grant on her experience and how much it helped her. So that's why we do uh, a grant is at the heart of, of what Genevieve's Helping Hands does. So after that, you know, Genevieve, uh, before she passed, you know, she became a big proponent of healthier eating, and she went green, not entirely green. She went out to center in Chicago, uh, where they helped her with uh, diets and supplements, and we followed uh, we followed that diet. We also bought Rebecca Katz's uh, Cancer Fighting Kitchen Cookbook, which is an amazing book. I never knew anything about vegetables. I didn't even know what some of them were. 
you know, the first time I went over to Fresh Market, I took the book with me, and this young guy was in the vegetable section. They said, hey, can you help me? You know, what's this vegetable? Where can I find it? How do I pick it out? And it, it was kind of interesting. And just to let you know how unhealthy we were here in New York, she had a friend come over and visit one day, and she says, I keep looking for that quinoa, you know, that fruit quinoa. She like that other fruit. And then if you get, no, no, Patricia, it's it's wheat. <laughs> so we had, we had some fun. And she, she really, you know, her friends uh, told us she would call them up and say, you've got to eat healthier, you've got to stop eating this. And she was a very persuasive person. She had over 240 people on her blog. She really had people from all around the country. Like her husband said, she picked up friends wherever she went. She was just one of those kind of people. And her friends would go, okay, Genevieve, we're going to try quinoa. Okay, Genevieve, we're going to try more kale. The kids say kale, but we're going to try kale. So from that ideal of hers, that passion of hers to spread healthy eating is how we developed our cooking demonstration. It came out of Genevieve's uh, um, interest in he eating healthier. Um, and going green and also, uh, you know, um, just in general. And she always spread the word. Because she was kind of ill, she really couldn't do a lot of that kind of cooking herself. I reached out to Rebecca Katz uh, out in California, and she recommended uh, a cooking culinary school in North Carolina where we could find a natural chef. And we found a young girl that was just graduating, who lived uh, not far away, I think maybe Carthage, and she would come three times a week and cook Genevieve meals. And then we would put them in the freezer. And then uh, Bill was able to get a second refrigerator in the for the garage where all Genevieve's vegetables and all of the things were placed. Uh, at one point, she even made almond milk. She, she sent to California this huge box of almonds, and it came, and we went, what the heck is this? You know, she was expecting like a small bed. So we even at one point made almond milk. I mean, we were totally into this thing. Don't try it. It's very laborious. <laughs> and there's some very good, decent almond milks out there that you can get that are organic. In any event, you know, that young girl cooked for her for about a year. When she uh, was time for her to move on, uh, Genevieve asked one of her friends who was a French chef, if she thought she could cook for her. And uh, her name is Jen Carlowitz, who you may have heard of, uh, in, and she's pretty big now in Pinehurst. And Jen was like, no, I can't do it. I'm a French cook. And Genevieve, being Genevieve, said, yes, you can. And uh, Jen, really, that was her, her changing from that kind of cooking and getting into natural and holistic cooking. And she talks about that all the time, that if it wasn't for Genevieve, she never would have made that switch. And perhaps, you know, her, it changed the course of her cooking career. Anyway, Jen did take over helping Genevieve with that cooking. So after Genevieve passed, like I said, all, we had a big meeting uh, of her friends and my husband and I. And we decided that we wanted to continue all the good feelings that were happening as a result of her, her helping hands blog. Uh, you know, it had reached so many people. And we decided to continue with it. I already had in my mind, you know, the kind of things that I would like the charity to do. For instance, the grant, like she had. Because when she, after she had a mastectomy and she was feeling better, she started uh, the Young Cancer Group that meets at Clara McLean. Uh, it's for any young person with cancer in the area. 
because as you know, it's still an older, almost retirement area. So she started that and that group is still going. I'm the one that would say to her, why don't you get other young mothers to come to Clara McLean? And honestly, she said to me in the course of a conversation, well, mom, why don't you do it? So I tell everybody, this is why I do it because she told me to do it and I'm doing it, right? And I always feel like she's she's got my back. You know, because of this charity, I meet wonderful people like the two of you, you know, that I would never have met if it wasn't for Genevieve. That's kind of the, the passion also that we put into what we do. We're carrying on, you know, pretty much Genevieve's passions and her causes and what worked for her. So to get back to Fresh Fruits and Families, uh, we had one cooking session that uh, Jen held with Genevieve's friends. That, that kind of ended. But in my mind, I knew I wanted to continue it. So we, were, we reached out to Rebecca once again, because she's a graduate of the New York Natural Cooking Institute. And she put us in, well, oh no, let me backtrack. That, that isn't exactly what happened. We started up with getting the grants going. So it takes the charity a while. We went to a lawyer and we became incorporated. We realized that we needed to separate it. So we have a board of directors. We have a grant selection committee. And then we had for a while an advisors of moms uh, to give us advice. I think we gave the first grant seven, eight, eight months after we started was our first grant. Our goal was to be able to have enough money to do one grant a month. It took a while for our name to get out there before we even had, you know, 12 moms contacting us. Our goal is to do 24. Right now with COVID and, and money raising situations, last year we were able to do 14, which, which was wonderful. And that's how we got going. Time went on and that's where Fresh Food Families developed. I spoke with, I don't know, Rebecca Katz a couple of times. I got Jen Karlowitz on board. I said, hey, can we do this kind of a thing and let's promote it. And we gave it a name. And actually, it's a natural chef. And when we started out, we also had a nutritionist or wellness, you know, that speak. Now, because of COVID, it's, it's our chef. And she also has a degree in uh, nutrition and in wellness. So she's like everything all in one. So when she does these Zoom presentations, you're getting everything all uh, in Nancy. And it, it kind of took off. You know, we went to the MOPS group, the two MOPS groups in, in Pinehurst and Southern Pines. And they loved it. So then we went to our church group here in New York, in Long Island, and they loved it. So we started reaching out and seeking funding because we couldn't, you know, it takes it takes about $400 to uh, do one of these demonstrations. We have managed to get some funding from two wonderful banks so that we continue this now, and we're doing it online. Nancy Ferraris is the name of our chef. She presents stuff that families like. I mean, her kids are teenagers now. But she remembers what it was like. Mm -hmm. The idea behind that is healthy, easy to cook, delicious food that everybody in the family is going to like. Even anti-green people like my husband will eat the, <laughs> eat the broccoli. <laughs> and also to get your children involved. Mm -hmm. You know, because if they learn eating ha early eating habits, it works very well. Prince Genevieve used to talk to Ava and Elise and say, when you have a salad, it has to be all bright colors. Ava remembers that to this day, that mommy to say when you make a salad, it has to be all bright colors. And you have healthy lettuce, you have healthy red tomatoes, you put in carrots, you know, maybe you're putting broccoli, but it, you know, it kind of stuff 
and resonated with her. And she's the one that to this day goes downstairs, gets out the blender and starts throwing things in it. Because the other thing Genevieve did and anybody can do is that when she would make juices and things, she let the kids sit there and put the juice in the juice, you know, the vegetables and everything in the juicer. So the idea is behind uh, Fresh Foods of Families is to start healthy eating habits early. And that's that's what we address. You know, how do you get kids who hate to eat green to like to eat green? So, so it's not telling you how to do a couple of recipes. It's a whole philosophy behind the program. So, Anne, just to, just to clarify for anybody who is listening, and we'll put a link, Genevieve Helping Hands is not, you have to be in a certain location to apply for this grant, correct? We No, you, just, for the grant, it's we've helped mothers now in 46 states. Okay, perfect. So we will drop a link there in that. And then for the nutrition, that doesn't have to be anybody affiliated with cancer or anything else. It's just showing healthy habits, and we can drop a link. That as well. And okay. because the idea is you can, I mean, we're going to do one uh, just specifically for the moms uh, because one of the things we give a mom with a grant is you get a copy of that cookbook. Mm-hmm. And you get the link to Rebecca, and we're working on having a link to a dietitian. Genevieve's sister-in-law, after seeing what Genevieve was going through, she's an oncology dietitian. She decided to become a natural chef. My son is also in the military, and for three years he was up at West Point teaching. And she would drive down from West Point to New York City, and she learned to become a natural chef also. So we have asked her, out of the goodness of her heart, to counsel three moms over the last couple of years about improving their eating habits. So what we're looking for is grant money to perhaps actually add that to one of the services for moms because it's very hard to eat healthy anyway. Mm -hmm. And when you're not feeling well and when food tastes crummy because of chemo or any other kind of treatment you're on, it's kind of hard to cook. Yeah. And, you know, my, my my husband's is on something called chemo light. He's going to be on this the rest of his life. And he says to me, boy, that chicken tasted terrible. Meanwhile, other people are eating it going, wow, this is really good. Mm-hmm. So I have to explain to him that it's his taste buds that have been affected by, you know, the chemo. So I try to cook for him. And mm-hmm. I sometimes go into the cookbook to get things that it says that ameliorates those off tasting things. Uh, when you're on chemo or other treatments. I think that's so really that's good thing. to point out because, I mean, I know, Mary Alice, you you had some taste issues. I mean, I had some taste issues, but mine weren't extreme by any means. But I right. think I did um, had a lot of issues with just metallic and everything. Metallic. Really bad um, and just not wanting it in general or even I didn't get bad sores in my mouth, but just not at all. I knew that that's what I should be putting in my body, but I was struggling with wanting it. And um, <laughs> but I wanted the idea of the control too. The food was just one thing that I could in my mind kind of have a little bit of power with. So it was a struggle. <laughs> it is. But, it is a struggle. It it absolutely is. And uh, this is one something that Nancy knows. Nancy uh, is herself a breast cancer survivor. When we're going to make this presentation to the to you moms. She's got all that in the back of her head. You know, she knows what it was like. And I think she's 15 years. So she was quite a while ago. You know, she's come through the progression. Mm-hmm. But, and that's the other thing we're very fortunate is that 
a lot of people that have joined on to help us are breast cancer survivors or like myself, someone who supported someone uh, with cancer. So we, we've got a lot of background uh, you mm -hmm. know, information. So that's our Fresh Foods for Families program, and we would like to present it to as many people as possible. It, you don't have to be connected to cancer. Well, one of the other things that we kind of accidentally got into is uh, support for each other. Because I'm basically the person that works on the charity. You know, I'm the one that meets the, the moms, and sometimes I meet the moms' moms. And we have like an informal support group for moms. However, soon we're, we're working on putting a page up, a support page, you know, in addition to our Facebook page for moms and friends. Mm -hmm. um, and the person who's going to be moderating that is a fantastic mother of someone, unfortunately, who passed away. Her name was Angie. She supported Angie. Angie was stage four, I think, for six years. And we gave Angie three grants because you can come back for a grant after a year. But we supported her through her various treatments. Uh, Perry Ann is, is extremely knowledgeable. Uh, she's going to be moderating that, that group. So just, just to let you know, we're starting that. And as far as my support to Genevieve, it was tough because she's like everybody. She wants to do it herself. She goes out there, you know. I'm strong. <laughs> I can do it all. As a as a mom, and especially as a mom, you know, some distance away, it was basically asking good questions to help her make good decisions. And being able to arrange being there five days a month when she had her treatment week, it was a lot because I, I could do the driving. There's no way she could have done the driving to Brad. I mean, to uh, do. Uh, when she went for her radiation, though, uh, that was five days a week, I think, to do. Mm -hmm. There was a couple from her church, and the wife was herself a cancer survivor. So they were the wonderful people that drove her just about every day to do for her radiation. You know, she was lucky. She had, you know, a lot of support, and she was open to it. We meet people through the charity. They're not open to it. They, they want to keep it to themselves. They want to power through it. And one of the things I say is let yourself be open to help because the more people that get involved, you're not lonely, you're not cut off, you're not isolated. It's been proven for any cancer patient that the more contact you have with other people, the better the course of the outcome of your disease. And I think we've certainly seen this proof with COVID when people were so isolated, you know, how, how things happen. Moving forward with moms um, as we come out of COVID, I think there's still this lockdown going on. People can't, you know, going to hotels is not always uh, what someone can do. We actually, I told you ladies, we helped four moms that never got to stay in the hospital after a double mastectomy. So that we had a grant that allowed them to go like two or three blocks away from the hospital. You know, it, it was life, I think it was probably life-saving, the things that we do. It's a support group for me also to be with moms like you, to help. The reason why we've settled on the age of first diagnosed at 40, it, it's kind of the young side. We do help moms that are over 40 because if they were first diagnosed at 37 or 35, it's the same cancer. It's just it's come back. We help, you know, and if somebody is 40 and six months old, <laughs> we're not that crazy. Right. Yeah. right. 
for me, I moved in with uh, Genevieve and her family for the three months before she passed. That was uh, a little tough because we didn't have a lot of support from the administration at Duke or the doctor at Duke at the time. I, I was able to get it, so it's family leave. Uh, mm -hmm. It's sponsored by the government, so most companies have it. So if there's a mom or a sister or somebody out there in need of it, I just want to say this program exists, and most companies will, will help you out with it in medical need. And then uh, as far as the Army, you know, initially the, the insurance was difficult. But when uh, they changed to a different plan, they were wonderful. Because when Genevieve chose to go to Memorial Sloan Kettering, you know, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. The Army approved it within a week. She, she got the approval. She was able to get her approval for a lot of procedures. You know, we were very pleased that finally they got on board. But it, it, it took a while for them to get on board. And then, you know, we talked a little bit afterwards. You know, they were very helpful uh, to her husband also in changing his command status and, and what he was doing. The other thing I would say we are moving into is helping the children. We uh, have a child psychologist in Maryland. His wife, we helped, and he's going to be doing a, a podcast or I guess a Zoom meeting with any of the children from the group that would like to speak with him. He's got four boys. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so he knows kids, and, you know, he has a counseling center. He also teaches at the local university, so when he's done with his teaching, he's going to be able to uh, devote a little bit of time. We're reaching out more, a little bit, for support to family, uh, I think, is necessary. That's that's our story. Anything else? I, I can talk forever. I don't, I don't know about you, Mary Alice, but, like, out of something so life-changing. I mean, you're, you're doing so many wonderful things. Genevieve is thriving, I feel like, right now from all that you've told me. I mean, she's she may not be here physically, but I mean, it sounds like she is in so many things. And I just think that's well, amazing. She Well, she was. And I knew even before she passed that I wanted to do this, you mm -hmm. know, that I wanted to see this in her name because she was such a spark, you know, in her community. And the fact that, you know, eight years ago, people still talk about her, still remember her, you know, those who met her, you know, the support I got from her friends is, you know, like everybody asked to get on Facebook with me, which I thought was wonderful. And, you know, they continued to offer her husband help with babysitting and cooking when, when after she passed, so, so much food got delivered that we literally filled up that freezer and neighbor's freezer with food. So... <laughs> You know, that, that show that came on, the, the guy who died, I can't think of the name of Unicorn, you know, when they were talking about he was still living on frozen meals in the freezer, mm -hmm. I can relate to that, you know. But the military community was wonderful. She had been, um, ahead, because of his position, uh, she was the head of the, um, the family group, the FRG. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, for, um, she was able to do that for about eight or nine months, and then when she became too ill, uh, somebody took it over. They're really wonderful, you know, towards her also. Uh, so we've, that was very supportive, uh, the FRG. Well, Anne, thank you so much for coming on here and for sharing okay. your story. We, we really appreciate it. And we look forward to uh, working with you.